Proverbs says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Pastor Xavier Reese with today's Simple Truths. How important it is for us to be obedient to the Lord when He speaks to us about speaking to a person. Listen to Proverbs 25:11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Proverbs 25:12 says, Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Whether it was the prophet Nathan confronting King David, or the Apostle Paul admonishing Peter, there are various times in Scripture when open rebuke was called for over love carefully concealed. And so as we've reached chapter 45 in our study series of the book of Jeremiah, we've come to another example of a necessary admonishment, but this one between the overambitious scribe of Jeremiah, Baruch, and God himself. And so with today's simple truths, we're encouraged as believers to put the matter at hand into the hands of God. Let's listen. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was um, executed by Hitler during World War II, he was a, um, a minister of the gospel, said the following, When a person has completely given up the idea of making something of himself, then one throws oneself entirely into the arms of God. Then one no longer takes seriously his own sufferings, but rather the sufferings of God in the world. I think this is faith. How is a person to become proud of success or to go astray in failures when one shares God's sufferings in the life of this world? Remember James and John. They petitioned Jesus Christ for the right hand and the left hand in his glory in Mark 10.37. Self-ambition, self-promotion, self-security. This is the heart of man. It certainly is the American way. We can't get away from that. The record of Scripture regarding the prophets and the servants of God is a sobering record that I think often we taint with our colored glasses. The Hall of Faith catalogs for us in Hebrews 11 the many, Abraham, Moses, uh, uh, Jephthah, um, the prophets, and many who were persecuted and killed and suffered horrible things at the hands of those who were haters of God. The glamour and the luxurious lifestyle of men of God in America is just that, an American phenomenon. It is not biblical. And yet somehow we think that that's the norm. It is not. The believer is like a fish out of water, like an alien in a foreign land. In fact, we are called exactly that. There are many storms, many dangers in life, and fearful times. But like a sojourner that we are told we are, we are passing through this temporal world and we're looking for a city, not made of man, but the city which God has built. That does not mean that we become flaky or idiots or stupid or naive. It means that we are heavenly minded. We have the clearest perspective. I don't know if you've ever looked through a microscope or something and it is, you, you, you focus it. It's blurry until you get the clear picture. 
The world sees everything blurry. We're the only ones that can see the clear picture because we get it from God's perspective. We should be able to put the greatest values in the things that God places. In fact, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. The problem is that we seek the things first, and then we put a label across it, the kingdom of God. And that's not the way it's to be. Paul says, Moreover, it's required of a steward that one be found faithful. In 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Faithful. In fact, he told Archippus in Colossians 4.17, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This includes everybody in the body of Christ. We all belong somewhere. We're all gifted in some area. We all are called to fit somewhere in the body. None of us are called to just simply sit. One of the things that keeps people from being faithful is self-ambition. Thinking that God is not doing as good for them as they can do. So they take matters into their own hands. And I'm sure that you can think of people who have taken this route. And I know I can. And though it seems so promising at first. Years down the road we've seen the destruction brought into their life. It's a sad picture. But it's a common picture. What we want to do is look at the Lord's warning to Baruch here in chapter 45 against self-ambition, which is characterized by three things. Let me read our text. The word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the instruction of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch. You said, what was me now? For the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sign, and I find no rest. Thus you shall say to him, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, what I have built I will break down, and what I have planted I will pluck up. That is, this whole land. And do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them. For behold, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord. But I will give you life. To you as a prize in all places, wherever you go. A stern warning from the Lord to Baruch against self-ambition. It's characterized, first of all, by the faithful words of Jeremiah to Baruch in verse 1. Secondly, by the foolish words of Baruch in verse 2 and 3. And then thirdly, the faithful words of God to Baruch in verse 4 and 5. The faithful words of Jeremiah to Baruch come in verse 1. Notice first, God had a personal word to Baruch through Jeremiah. The name Jeremiah, as you know, means whom God has appointed. How appropriate here in view of the occasion that we find in our text as he appoints Jeremiah to speak to Baruch directly. Jeremiah had been elevated to the position of the prophet to Judah and the nations. Chapter 1 verse 2 and 3 tells us. And now God had appointed him to speak directly to Baruch from Yahweh. A personal word. Who, who doesn't want to hear from God? 
And how often we hear people say, oh, I want to know God. I want to hear from God. Oh, if God can know, I want to know His will, this and that. But the record of the scriptures tells us when men found out the will of God, they didn't obey it. So I have to assume that we boast more than we really want to act on when it comes to our natural person. Remember, Jeremiah was of the priestly order. His father was Hilkiah, chapter 1, verse 1 tells us. But God had called him out of the priestly office to the prophetical office because the priesthood had become corrupt. The prophet Jeremiah faithfully spoke the word of Yahweh from the 13th year of Josiah, 626 to 627 B.C., till about the 11th year of Zedekiah, as you know, until they were carried off in the third siege in 586 B.C. Forty years. Heck of a long time. Chapter 43 and 44 will tell us of um, Jeremiah and Baruch being taken to Egypt. So his ministry probably went at least 10 more years, so up to 50 years. But within Judah, 40 years. Now, Baruch is called the son of Neriah. He was of the upper echelons of society, a scribe, in fact. As we've gone through Jeremiah, we have found out that his grandfather was Messiah, the governor of Jerusalem in the reign of Josiah. Second uh, Chronicles uh, 34.8 and Jeremiah 32.12 tells us that. His brother Sariah was one of the officers of Zedekiah. Uh, we found that out in Jeremiah 51.59. And he had become Jeremiah's secretary, his amanuensis, if you will, now, being of a scribal profession. We see this in the New Testament with Paul. Paul dictated some of his, his letters and, and he says, I have written with my own hand. He says that because sometimes he didn't. He dictated to others uh, and they wrote and then he signed it at the end. So Baruch had become associated with Jeremiah at this point. All the men and women of Jerusalem knew this. Whenever, I guess, you saw Jeremiah, you saw Baruch. And when you saw Baruch, Jeremiah wasn't far behind or something. The first time Baruch is mentioned is in chapter 32. When Yahweh told Jeremiah that he was going to come to him in the prison and to ask him to redeem the field of Anathoth in verse 6 and 7 of 32. The name Baruch appears 23 times in the book of Jeremiah. So he's a key person. He's closely associated with Jeremiah. By the way, his name, Baruch, means blessed. And his father's name, Neriah, means Lord is my lamp. The Lord is my lamp. How interesting. The Lord is my lamp, and the product of that is blessed. As long as I uh, depend on the word to... Be a light to my path and a lamp to my feet. I will be blessed. Whenever I take matters into my own hands and I feel I know better, then I fall in those holes and those pits. I become deviated from what God wants. Notice, secondly, the occasion was when he had written these words in the book at the instruction of Jeremiah. So the context is very important at this point. This places it after chapter 36 of Jeremiah. 36.1 will confirm the exact same date as well as 25.1, the fourth year of Jehoiakim. Uh, 
Remember that the book of Jeremiah is not written in chronological order. Uh, so we have to look at the dates. We have to look at the reigning kings carefully so we know where the chapter or the section falls. Jeremiah was told by Yahweh to take a scroll of a book and to write on it all the words that he has spoken to him against Israel, against Judah, and against all the nations in chapter 36, verse 2. We get a view into how and, and the procedure of writing the scriptures in Jeremiah there that we get nowhere else. A book is mentioned, ink is mentioned, uh, dictation is mentioned, um, the uh, reading of the scroll in the temple. Jeremiah, as you know, had written already in chapter 29 a letter to the captives. And certainly Daniel had a copy of Jeremiah's prophecies because in chapter 9 he says that according to the books of Jeremiah in the number of years, he knew the captivity was almost up and he sought the Lord and God in his mercy gave to Daniel the 70 weeks that is called of Daniel. And yet he was an old man already, but he was a man of the word. He was a man who, who, who stuck to the words. He believed the word and he acted on the word as God revealed it to him. Now, this material was to consist of the prophecies from the day that Jeremiah had been called into the prophetic office in the days of Josiah to the very day when the command came. Twenty-three years of ministry at this point. Chapter 25, again, verse 1 through 3, confirms that, and here 45, 1 through 5. And so probably the prophecies that were included were chapters 1 to 20, and certainly those of 46 to 51 that we'll cover later on, the prophecy of the nations, because he included those. As you know, later on, he rewrote again after the king burned them and added many other things. So we, uh, we know that there were a second edition. Now, the prophet Jeremiah, according to Yahweh, called Baruch to write these words in chapter 36, verse 4. Baruch wrote in the book of the scroll at the instructions of Jeremiah. In other words, God spoke to Jeremiah. Jeremiah spoke the words to Baruch. And all the words the Lord spoke to him, he wrote down. That is the order which it was written. Again, the date is very important. Whenever God gives us a date, we need to be careful to note it. The text says it was in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah. 605 B.C. is the date. The date is confirmed once again with the text I've given you in Jeremiah 25, 1 and 3. When Jeremiah spoke to the people of Judah, at that time he said that he had been speaking to them for 23 years. But they had not listened. Now, he would have 17 more years. <laughs> but how depressing it would be to be ministering to 23 years to people and they don't listen. You have to appreciate Jeremiah. You have to just say, I don't know if I could do it. From a human perspective, absolutely can't do it. The date also included the crucial battle of Carchemish, which... Babylon had defeated Egypt. Remember, Egypt was what Israel was depending on, Judah, to help them. 
So the dates and the place where this is is very crucial. The date marks the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon's reign. This lines up with, again, Jeremiah 25.1. And Jehoiakim became the vassal to Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar was crowned king because his father, Nebuchadnezzar, died. All these things are happening. The world is going crazy. Confusion is going all around. This is the context. God's judgment has been proclaimed for 23 years. A little bit more than the halfway point. And things don't look that good. The remnant of Assyria that joined with Egypt was no more. And Egypt had lost her world power. What is so crucial about this date? This began the time of the Gentiles. The dream that God gave to Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. It began with the head of gold. God had now begun to deal with the Gentile world and would continue to do so. Until the end of the tribulation. The head of gold, the arms and chest of silver, the belly of brass, the legs of iron. Then you have the church age and you have the ten nation confederacy of iron and clay. The rule of the Antichrist. The tribulation and great tribulation. Crucial date. And there's a great parallel. Because the world today is going crazy. People are very ambitious for self. And everybody's trying to secure themselves because they know things are getting awfully shaky. One day King Banhadad of Syria was sick with a disease. And he sent Gehaziel, his servant, to present himself before Elisha to inquire to see if he would recover from the disease. And so when Gehaziel came before Elisha, Elisha said that he would recover, but that the Lord has shown him that he would really die. Kind of confusing, kind of conflicting. But nevertheless, he received the word. And then he, um, he set his countenance in a stare until he was ashamed. So Elisha was looking at Gehaziel, and Gehaziel kept looking at him. And he was so intent that, that Gehaziel became embarrassed. And the man of God wept, Elisha. And Gehaziel said, why is my Lord weeping? He answered, because I know the evil that you will do to the children of Israel. Their strongholds you will set on fire, and their young men you will kill with the sword. And you will dash their children and rip open their the women with children. So Gehaziel said, but what is this your servant? Is he a dog that he should do such a gross things? And Elisha answered, the Lord has shown me that you will be king over Israel. God knows our hearts to the ultimate. And sometimes the things that God will show us, oh, what is your servant, a dog? Yeah. Our sin nature, we don't think is that bad because we only see the tip of the iceberg. God sees the whole iceberg. We see a very small portion. As you know, Gehazel returned, told the king he would recover, but then he grabbed a cloth, put water on it, Put it over his face and suffocated him. The prophecy came true even as he would rip up the pregnant women with children and everything else. How important it is for us to be obedient to the Lord when he speaks to us about speaking to a person. 
because it could be a check or a warning that we are unaware of. But when it's spoken to the person, they know because God has been speaking to them. It's a confirmation, whether it be positive or negative. I don't need to understand why. I need to be obedient. It could be a word of knowledge. It could be a word of wisdom. Now, it could be something God has been dealing with them about for some time. And again, it may not make sense to me, but when they hear it, it makes sense to them. Listen to Proverbs 25.11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Valuable. So necessary. The Lord may be dealing with a critical time in a person's life. And what they decide will change and affect their lives completely. You know, the Chinese character for crises means danger and opportunity. It all depends which way you decide. Critical times that God gives us sometimes. Proverbs 25, 12 says, Like an earring of gold, and an ornament of fine gold, is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. Hmm. Open rebuke better than love carefully concealed, Proverbs 27, 5 says. Faithful the wounds of a friend, but the kiss of the enemy are deceitful, Proverbs 27, 6 says. It's so easy to speak to a complete stranger. Hard to speak to my wife, my children, my good friends. The Lord would have us to exhort one another when we see that there are some red flags sometimes. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily what it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We're to exhort one another. To say, hey, listen, I've been meaning to call your attention to something. You know, I, I, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But, and if I am, fine. No big deal. You see, Paul tells us that we're to do it in a certain way. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness or meekness. Considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Galatians 6.1 So I don't want to go proud. I don't want to go arrogant. I want to, I want to go prayerfully. I want to go obediently. There should be some cautions at this point. Make sure that it is God speaking to you. Especially if you think it's a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Especially if it's dealing with uh, personal intimate matters of uh, faithfulness, loyalty, adultery or stuff like that. You make sure it's God because you can devastate a person. There are many people that go around the church says, Thus saith the Lord and a bunch of quacks or carnal or self-righteous. So there's a real caution. If you're acting based simply upon the scriptures, the standards of them, make sure that you've prayed, make sure you go in God's timing, make sure you go in humility. Not your own convictions that really are gray areas, and if you feel compelled to be convicted, they're fine, but someone may not be. So make sure that you cut the body of Christ some slack. You're not the standard. So there's a caution. Now these were the faithful words of Jeremiah to Baruch. Faithful. He spoke forth God's word. 
Pastor Xavier Rees, pausing in our simple truth study of Jeremiah and Baruch as we near the end of our time for today. And let me quickly remind you, if you've missed any part of this message, you can hear it from beginning to end again anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Now, of course, there's much more to this study to come right here next time as well. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up your own copy of this message. And the title you want to ask for is simply, Is Ambition Wrong? It's available on CD for only $4. Once again, you'll be asking for the title, Is Ambition Wrong? Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 